Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. I'm back. And I would introduce Mike, but you know, he's just going to sit there quietly. He explicitly told me he has no comments for this episode, so he's just going to silently be on this episode and not contribute at all. Yeah, I did appreciate all of the little billboard signs that he made, though, so that way we could see him, like, we could see his notes and then promptly ignore them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and he keeps raising his finger like he wants to talk, but, you know, you, you gotta be more, uh, you gotta be more forthright. You gotta just jump in. You gotta lean in. Yeah, exactly, you know, and, uh, and, and whoa, hey, that's interesting. Like, he was raising one finger, and now he's raising a different finger. That's odd. Mm. But anyways... <laughs> <laughs> So what did we do? We played uh, the Shovel Knight. Uh, the Shovel Knight. Yes. Yes. Shovel Knight won. Next time it's personal. <laughs> um, so I realized after I started playing this, uh, because you and I have been talking about this game for a while, and we were like, this game is basically dis- designed for an episode of Nostalgia Goggles, which I appreciate when publishing studios make stuff like for you and I. Um, yeah. But mm-hmm. But I realized that you played this quite a bit before like when it was you know closer to new and mm-hmm. i got it as part of a bundle so uh, mm. i realized that i have all of the currently existing dlc uh which i i do uh, want to talk about later but i realized you you possibly don't i do I, I certainly don't i just have shovel knight next time it's personal yeah so uh the the good thing is um unlike a lot of dlc the dlc does not as far as i know uh, modify the core game experience it just adds a bunch of stuff so uh, i played the entire normal game as it is and then i was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna look at some of this dlc and i started some of it and i have thoughts and feelings i will share later um but but let's just say uh th- they did not phone the DLC in in this game at all so that I I will I will share with you some of my experience cuz there's so much of it I haven't even gotten through all of it. Yeah, no. And unfortunately like for this game like there well, fortunately there is a lot of meat here. So, you know, like I am I am confident that, you know, we will we will do our normal episode and not even scratch the surface on a lot of the really interesting and intriguing things this game does because when originally when when we were you know when we both were playing it like a while ago or you know when I was playing it uh, you know I was like oh man there's there's a lot of interesting stuff this game does and then when I sat down to take notes again I knew I was forgetting some of the things that I had originally thought were interesting but I was finding new things that I thought were interesting so I've got tons of notes and i'm like i'm like just still a little like antsy because i I just i know i'm forgetting something well and i I uh, hopefully you had a similar experience where i would be playing and you you kind of get into a flow like the levels have like a lot of flow through them once you start to learn the the controls and the mechanics well and i would be like oh that was cool i should remember to write that down but i'm in the middle of a flow and i'm not going to do that right now and then i'd get to the end of the level or i would fall in a pit and die or something and then i'd be like what was that cool thing i wanted to write down <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm with you that uh there's there's a lot to unpack here uh unfortunately i don't think we will get to do the game justice but uh we will certainly at least 
be able to sink our teeth into the the bits of meat we have. It's just that there's there's so much we'd have to do like a friggin' six hour episode. So yeah, no. What 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 we can go ahead and do is is in the comments, you know, like like when people post comments, like they everybody just like post you know, things that you thought were interesting about the game if you played it. And then we will just simply comment back, yes, if we also thought it was interesting, <laughs> and no, if we didn't think it was interesting and we don't care about your opinion. But but I, but I th- only with uh, the gif from Gladiator of the thumbs up, thumbs down, like Caesar style. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that. Uh, so uh, so I, I, I will ask you, though, um, because you, you sought out this game on your own. So since you obviously can't have nostalgia goggles for this, like what made you seek this game out? Why did you pick it up the first time? Um, honestly, I was watching uh, a couple of different like video game reviews. And um, and I was just kind of like, oh, well, you know, this, this looks interesting. But honestly, and I'm going to segue into a tangential story that I just really want to tell. <laughs> um, because this is a good time to do it. Is, uh, so I was looking for a game for my son Teddy to play. You know, because he really, really loved um, Rogue Legacy. And so, you know, I was just kind of like, okay, well, what, you know, what would be like a game, like a 2D side scroller that, you know, he could, he could like get into, you know? Um, And I was like, well, you know, Shovel Knight, it's, it's relatively cheap. It looks interesting. It's gotten great reviews. Let's, let's take a swing at this. And so this time when I was playing Shovel Knight, um, I was going through and I was fighting uh, the stage with King Knight, right? And, um, and so I got all the way to King Knight and I was tired and I was just kind of like phoning it in, uh, fighting him. He beat me twice consecutively and I was just kind of like, okay, that's, that's good. That's enough. And, uh, and Teddy and I had been kind of playing together. So I handed it off to Teddy and, uh, cause he was like, oh, Hey, you know, like I want to play a little bit. So I was like, yeah, here you can play one, but then it's time for bed. And so I was like sitting there, like finishing up my notes and I hear him kind of like make a noise, like, like, ah, and I was like, all right, you know, that's, that's good. So I take the controller away from him. I'm like, okay, go, go sit on the potty. And I look up and he beat him. (laughs) Like I failed twice consecutively. And then I turned my head away and Teddy beat him. And then it was just like, and so like I was sitting there like shattered to my soul, staring at the TV as Teddy was, metaphorically walking away not looking back at the explosion <laughs> you know like just walking off to go pee on the potty like the big boy you know and i'm like because like here's the thing is i i considered myself to be like a very um i guess like erudite parent in the sense of like i expected teddy to be better at me than at video games at, at the video games he liked when he when he started to become like eight you know because i'm like he's gonna have way more time to invest in it and he's gonna be having played video games his whole life and so you know that's gonna be about when like he's gonna be better at some games than me you know not not at three dude not like this (laughs) no no it's it's too soon it's like uh it's like every movie where someone dies but then they're given a second chance to like finish writing those wrongs and you just Mm -hmm. see the specter of teddy over your shoulder and you're like no not not yet i've I have I have so much more to give, <laughs> and I think that that so so to to bring it back, the answer to your question was what made me look into this. I was looking for a game that Teddy would enjoy and be good at, and much to my own chagrin, I think I found one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair, fair enough, fair play, good job, Teddy. Um, yeah, my, how about you? My experience was, and and I feel bad saying this in light of the experience I ended up having with the game, but my experience was gaming culture people kept insisting that this was a really good game that someone like me should invest their time in and i just kept not doing that and 
it was like it was one of those things where it, it was on my list of games to play and then anything would just slot over it right because i don't i'm you know also right. an adult also kids also job just not as much time to play games as i used to have and there were so many times that i was like oh okay i think i'm gonna play shovel knight and then life would just come back and be like eh, you have time to play one game right now and it's not gonna be shovel knight and i was like oh okay and then uh because it came out way back in 2014, right? So, I mean, it's old yeah. by new game standards, right? Because there's just <laughs> crap coming out every single year. So, uh, I, I finally, when I bought a Switch, I wanted specifically to get Breath of the Wild. Like, that was, I bought a Nintendo mm-hmm. Switch to play Breath of the Wild. And also Odyssey and Go also Mario Kart and blah, but like, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, play, yeah, yeah, yeah. to play <laughs> Breath of the Wild. So, I <laughs> I found a bundle that included, for reasons I'm not entirely clear on, uh, Shovel Knight and both of its DLCs. So I was just like... And Breath of the Wild? Yes. So like, it was it what? was like... What? Yeah, it was Zelda, <laughs> all of the Zelda DLC, and then also like a couple of indie games. And Shovel Knight happened to be one of the indie games that was included. And I was just like, well, I mean, free is good. And... <laughs> So yeah. then I, I did actually sit down after I first got the Switch and I was like, okay, I'm going to play this and, you know, see what it's like. And I played one level and I was like, okay, it's it's kind of like what I imagined it would be like. And then I walked away. But now that I had like opened that door, it was just always mm-hmm. in the back of my mind. Like, you want to see what's there. Like you, now that right. you know, it's it's at least not a deal breaker on the surface and you already have it you want to see what's there. And and so I just kept like kind of feeling this pull back to it made, you know, from hearing all the game critics talk about it and then made so much stronger by literally having it in my house available to me at any time. So yeah. uh, when we were talking about like, you know, what are some new nostalgia goggles games we might play? I think in, in the back of our mind, we both always knew Shovel Knight was going to be on that list. And this seemed like as good a time as any. So here we are. Yeah, no, I think that, uh, I think that basically it was good. It's kind of like in uh doctor who, like the, when, uh, uh, uh yeah, it? it's, it's the Smith's, room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Smith shows up and it's just kind of like, yeah, how many rooms are there in that house? You know, it's like, there's just that room in the back of your mind that you're like, you should, you should check that out. But yes, yes, no, absolutely. So, uh, top of the hour visuals. Indeed. Uh, so this game is, uh, we, we should be clear. This is not a game that is trying to be, semi retro this is a studio that specifically set out to make a retro style platformer in the in the the music style and visual style and play style of like your Mega Man classics your Castlevania um your Super Mario Brothers like that this is very bald facedly trying to imitate those games uh and mm-hmm. in in terms of mechanics in terms of visuals um and and they they friggin nail the visuals the yes the visuals are so much richer because of the amount of colors they can have on the screen simultaneously because of the amount of sprites that they can render simultaneously mm-hmm. but i would not be surprised to find out that these graphics could be done on like a PS one or an N 64 caliber hardware, because they're very simple pixel art graphics, but there's a lot of detail. There's just, 
because the resolution is so much higher and they can literally fit more on the screen. There's just so much detail. There's so much going on in the background. There's so much going on in the foreground, but not in like a, you don't feel overwhelmed or cluttered. There's just a lot of texture to all of the surfaces. Like every stone feels, you know, rich and interesting. Every flame looks, you know, like it's alive and it's kind of like dancing off those little lantern things. Like everything just looks and feels gorgeous, but absolutely 100% could have been done, you know, 25 years ago. Like it's, it's, it's a really fine line to walk. The only times I could think of that they, they give up the, the, the true, like what you could truly do with just pixel art is, uh, during some of the, the text boxes, there are, uh, like a, a wave, like a word will shake. So a character, cause there's, there's no voice acting, right? It's all just text, very old school. And, uh, right. sometimes a word will kind of shake and move and it's mm-hmm. done in a way that it's obviously being transformed computationally. It's a static image that is being computationally transformed. So it looks mm-hmm. impossibly smooth because pixels right. would never move that way. Right. So I, I can't think of any particle effects. I can't think of any vector effects in the entire game except that. And so to say this game could have fallen off of the back of a truck on its way to deliver a box full of N64 games <laughs> is, is a huge compliment, right? It's, it's, it's beautiful pixel art, but nothing that couldn't have been done, which helps it feel nostalgic, which is what they're going for. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that, that, as you say, it's, it's a very fine line to walk because what they're trying to do is they is, and this is, this is the challenge of nostalgia games, right? It's because, you know, they people always say like oh yeah you know it's easy to just like make a, a blanket like a Mega Man ripoff and it's like no it's not because the problem is as we've said before that you know you're not when you're thinking of Mega Man you're not thinking of the way Mega Man actually was you're thinking of it through nostalgia goggles in fact somebody should make a podcast about they that. should but don't don't let that I'm gonna have to cut this part of the episode out now because someone will take that obviously million dollar uh, idea. <laughs> Oh man, no, you're right. You're right. Well, okay. Well, cut, cut. Okay. <laughs> so back in. Um, <laughs> but no, so, so that's the thing though, is that they don't overdo it. Right. So there's definitely some things I looked at. And and so I think we could juxtapose this with Mega Man six, right. Where there's some things that they do that like Mega Man six, just, there's no way the processor could have done it. Like, for example, there's sometimes where uh shovel Knight's armor just sheens, you know, mm. and that, that makes the world look richer and more alive. And like you said, like the number of sprites on the screen, you know, and like kind of like what, oh, for example, like King Knight, when he trumpets the, you know, like the trumpets fire that confetti, that would have melted an NES, yeah. <laughs> you know, like having that many, many objects floating down on the screen, like the NES just would have like, like smiled, given the middle finger that Mike's giving in the background right now and <laughs> melted, you know? Like just it, it, so so it's able to do things like that, but your brain doesn't pick up on that, you know. And and what it makes me think of is in Mega Man Six when there was that big giant kind of gorilla monster oh, um, yeah, yeah. robot, yep. right? And one of the things that we pointed out was that every time you fight him, it's against a flat back black background. Yeah, because they could you know? not render all of that and all of that at the same time. Exactly. And so that's that's where I think that this game shines with its visuals is that it has the the aesthetic is is consistent. It is always in that, you know, very eight bit aesthetic. It just it's doing things that that you could not do with eight bit hardware, but the aesthetic is consistent, which I think is is very 
like you said, very difficult to run that line because I'm sure that there was some somebody somewhere who said, you know, it would look really cool. And you have to consistently say, like, it would look cool. That is true. Is it in service to the core aesthetic? You know? Yeah. And, and this is something going back now and having played a bunch of uh, N64 games for the first time with you, you know, on the show and, and reliving some PS1 games. I personally, per, because I like pixel art so much, I prefer the fact that the PS1 was not afraid to say, you know what we can do with more powerful hardware? More pixels. Like they, <laughs> they didn't make everything 3D wooshy wooshy just because they could. Sometimes they just mm-hmm. did what they'd always done, but supercharged it. And I personally really like that. And I, you know, not to crap on the N64's design choices, but history has kind of borne out that there is an entire market for souped up pixel art games and chiptune games mm-hmm. and not quite as much for souped up low poly games. I know there are some people who like that. I do not understand your worldview, but I would be happy to have a beer with you <laughs> and try to understand how you see things. But uh, I, I do think that going that route, like saying, let's only, you know, use 16 million colors, right? Like, let's not go up to basically infinity colors like uh, like a modern right. console could do with gradation so small that no one would be able to see the difference between two different colors. Like, let's... You, you can't? Well, no normal person. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, let's, let's kind of give ourselves some of these artistic limitations, but do things that we couldn't have done processor-wise, like number of sprites on the screen, number of shades to a different color that are present at the same time. And, an example is... And I apologize, I have to go to the, the DLC for this specific example, but uh, in the background of, uh, actually, no, it's also in Shovel Knight. So at the very end, when you have to do the exceptionally Mega Man 6 style thing of, or Me- Mega Man classic game of fighting all the bosses again, which is uh-huh. like, as soon as I got there, I was just like, oh, you, I know where you got this from, <laughs> you yacht games or whatever. So, so, but like when I, when you get to that room, all of the knights are in the background and they're like sitting mm-hmm. at a table and it's it's as though you're interrupting their meal. And in one of the DLCs, they do the same thing where uh, as you unlock those those knights when you beat them, they show up in this part of the town and are like sitting in the background talking to each other at this table and like having a meal. And But they're not just static, right? It's not a matte painting. They're all fully right. colored, fully rendered, like shaded because they're a little bit in the background as opposed to where all the light is in the foreground. So you can tell the difference between who's in combat and who's not in combat. And visually each one of those things could have been done on like a super Nintendo, certainly by like the N64 PS one era. Um, but probably not all at the same time and certainly not without grinding the frame rate to a halt. So it, it feels, it makes the world feel so much more alive to be like, Oh, I'm in this one room and they're all here and they're, they're just pounding on me one at a time. But seeing the line of bosses that you still have to beat makes that boss rush that much more imposing as opposed to in Mega Man, where you would like go into the separate rooms one after another. Right. And it's the regular room style boss. Mm -hmm. Like it's just that tiny little graphical improvement helps bring the feeling of the boss rush from like a Mega Man game into reality. Like you remember them all bearing down on you, but they weren't, they were all in their own little cages, but in Shovel Knight, they are actually all there, like just waiting to get a piece of you. Yeah. And, and, and it's decisions like that, which really make me think that, you know, they were just kind of like, is this, is this in service to the core aesthetic? So, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, what, 
what would have made those old Mega Man boss fights like more more intense. And it's just kind of like, well, what if what if they were all just sitting there like waiting and like laughing at you? It'd be like, oh yeah, no, that's that's rough. And 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 that makes sense. But if like you know, like while they were in the background, they were doing all these like insane visual effects, you know, a la uh re-released episode four, <laughs> you know. Like, like that's I mean, I I really feel that that now looking back, you know, in this this kind of era so like you know like obviously as we continue to go through especially with like video games and like visual media right because i mean realistically visual media i don't know if this is right like like uh, like this like you know like movies tv video games things like that right i mean like because obviously we've had visual media since you know cave since eyes right but uh but i mean that being said like like non-static visual media has only been around for about a hundred years, right? Um, yeah, the original, I think that, that horse animation, like the, the galloping Mm -hmm. horse is credited as being the first animation. And that's from like either the very end of the 1800s or the very beginning of the 1900s, but it's, it's less than 150 years old. Right. So, uh, so, you know, I guess we're, we're kind of getting more and more information, especially with the advent of computers and computer generated everything right is i think like you know right around this era the n64 ps1 era i, I really think it just bears the they, they 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 were they were so busy figuring out whether or not they could they didn't stop to think if they should <laughs> you know and and i really think that that's just what we're seeing here is that you know like they they did actually look back and be like now that we can we can do anything what should we be doing well, and here's a here's a perfect example of that that I have in my notes. And every time I look at this note, I'm like, God, this is so silly. But every time I actually experienced it in the game, I was like, No, I'm leaving this in my notes. This is good. Like, I'm really glad they thought of this. <laughs> so when you go into town, um, in mm-hmm. and they do the exact same kind of thing in the DLC because it's a really good mechanic. So I understand why, or it's a visual cue, I should say. It's not not really a mechanic, but like when you go into town and you have one of those music sheets and you can turn it into mm-hmm. the bard the bard mm-hmm. jumps up and down to like get your attention. Right. And, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it's a really stupid thing to be like, Oh, so they made the Sprite move slightly different. Like that's what you're getting your jollies off of. And to that, I say, yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> because that is a thing that, uh, programmatically, like computationally, they absolutely could have done in the NES era or the SNES era, but it's a design choice, right? It is, it is, we talk about games literacy for players all the time, but like it is a games literacy for the designers that didn't mm-hmm. exist at that time because there were usually either so few people in town that the expectation was just that you would talk to everyone always, or mm-hmm. it didn't even occur to them that you wouldn't remember that you have this thing you need to go turn in or that there's this quest you're on or there's a side mission you're doing or whatever. Like they just didn't think is there a way we can remind the player that this particular person should be spoken to, right? Or even worse, which was if a la, you know, Zelda 2, um, they didn't do it because they are deliberately occluding. <laughs> that's that's true. That yes, that, that's that's I mean, like, like an, that's an anti-pattern, right? <laughs> they thought of the yeah. good design and then did the opposite. No, that 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 is that is the will the Tom Riker like taking off the <laughs> the sideburns and revealing that, you know, he is in fact Tom Riker instead of Will, you know, like that's that. Yeah. That's, that's like literally saying like, I know what I should do. I'm not going to do that. And it's like, but, but the thing is that it's, it's, I don't think even then it was like, we know what we should do. It's it. We don't know what fun is, you know, like this is, 
this is fun, right? It's like it's the equivalent of like saying like all games are fun. So I like I like games, so therefore I like all games, like Candyland and Fifty Two Pickup. You know, like like one of those is fun, and the other one is a horrible thing to do to a one, human. One of know? those is and fun so, for one of the parties. <laughs> yeah, for, well, it's kind of like the what we said in college was that um, the prank is only funny if the cleanup is less than the the hilarity yeah, be, ensued we've got to be proportional to the the mess has to be proportional to the lulls exactly and i think that they doing like the ah, pick them all up and it's like you i, I don't like you anymore <laughs> like <laughs> i think that falls below the line you know yeah agreed and it's just not because it's that hard to clean up the mess it's because it's not that funny um <laughs> exactly yeah no because that's a it's, that, that's the thing with fractions man you know? <laughs> um but I, I do think this is something that uh i saw it in town and i i noticed this uh more in the dlc for in the levels but i know it's also in shovel knight it's just once i put it together i was like oh and i was looking for it a lot more um but there's a lot of little subtle things in the levels to key you into the fact that this object and that object are really similar. So you can expect them to behave in similar ways, but not exactly the same way. So a good example is the, um, the dirt, like the big blocks of dirt. And if Mm -hmm. you, uh, jump on them with your shovel, you will explode the dirt and then bounce. And then you can, you know, fall through or pass through where that, that big dirt block was. There are also dirt blocks that look like aged and crumbly and sad, but, basically the same right if you're not paying attention you could confuse them especially if there's only one type in that room which they do sometimes to see if you're paying attention and so so like if you uh hit that dirt block you still destroy it but you don't bounce you just pass right through it and so there's lots of these very well thought out little cues that i i think it's half uh design literacy has improved and half processing has improved because some of the details are very fine and to do that on a nintendo or super nintendo would require a more obvious change that would make it a little bit less insidious because it's not it's not clear enough that person paying attention would catch it or it's so clear that it's no longer a trap it's just like oh that's an orange block as opposed to a blue block right like no one would ever confuse those things but a tan block and a slightly darker tan block like you could totally confuse those even when they're mixed in the same space right and sometimes they're mixed in the same space so that you like bounce on this one fall through that one so that you land on the one underneath it and bounce off that and then pass through this other one right so there's like puzzle mechanics design around it it's not just to you know trick you into dying although a lot of times you die (laughs) and then you die and die and die um yes yes (laughs) i agree to that Uh, i don't know if this is this because i think i i wish i had done more legwork on this but i just i just did not get the chance to so there's there's something i wasn't sure whether to bring this up in mechanics or visuals because it's kind of both but so the when you select like male or female there is a subtle visual change to like the the night sprite correct no so i actually i I did a little i was hoping yes i did a little (laughs) bit of legwork on this and and i do i think visuals is a good place to talk about this just because uh this was an interesting thing for them to include in the game at all um but but Mm -hmm. the game is 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 like it's all knights right it's knights all the way down so like the hero is yeah. a knight trying to save another knight and all of the enemies are knights. Knight, yep. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. just, it's knights left and right. So 
you have no reason to believe any one character is any gender other than your own personal Correct. biases because yeah which is awesome. yeah and it but it's armor like anyone who knows yeah. anything about armor will tell you that ridiculous it doesn't matter yeah and r- boob yeah. plate is not real any woman who's ever worn armor looked exactly the same as any man who's ever worn armor because it's armor right just like a yeah. woman driving a car the car doesn't look different when she's inside of it yeah it's not it's not smaller and pink like it's it's just a car yeah yeah you know? so the 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 creators made a very specific design choice and we actually we had a similar conversation in rogue legacy as i recall where uh they allow you in these settings to literally decide the gender of all of the characters so you the hero Mm -hmm. the knight you are trying to rescue and then all of the enemies you can toggle their gender between male or female and i am pretty confident that it does not change anything visually it only changes the pronouns used when characters yep. are referring to each other which is amazing because that, that was the thing is i was just kind of like i was like when, when i when originally i did it because i swapped you know shovel knight's gender and like i was like i don't see any visual difference and i like swapped it back i'm like i still don't see a visual difference i was like i was like really hoping that that i was wrong and that there might be a visual difference which is fantastic right because that's the thing it's like you said like there shouldn't be one you know they're 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 clad in armor right so that literally means that for the simple design choice of like all we have to do is if they select this if they trigger this on off switch then we just change all the he's to she's you know then like and now all of a sudden you know like it's that much easier to identify with the main character or you can change your narrative or whatever you know like it's 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 an amazingly um rich design choice to make that like again cost them no resources you know so it's like why in the world wouldn't they do that and the answer is there is no reason so they did it yeah no and it, it's I, there's a tiny teaching moment that that happened in, in here and i'll be honest because i didn't know the 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 genesis of this choice right i i didn't know that this was a thing that they obviously included not to be like holier than thou and like oh you thought that there would be a visual difference but yeah, I did. I thought there, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah. Like when I toggled it and nothing changed and it, it even tells you like, oh, you have to, it won't change in the stage. Right. It changes when the, the game loads next. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. So I, I toggled it like right before I went into a stage and then I went into a stage and I was like, oh, the, the shovel knight looks the same. And oh, all the, the enemies look the same. And shield knight, this is the point. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I, there I, I spent more time than i think society strictly any person should but the fact that i got there at all is what i'm going to consider my redeeming quality so uh, right. i i don't think they were i don't think the designers were trying to be like oh you thought there would be a difference but there isn't you sexist pig i think i yeah. think they were trying to do the actual right thing which was say some people are going to play this and they are going to want to live the story of a man saving a woman. Some people are going to want to live the story of a woman saving a man or a man saving a man or a woman saving a woman or fighting all men or fighting all women or mix and match, right? And like the fact that they give you that choice and it costs them mm-hmm. nothing, I mean, as yeah. you said, like allows the player to get so much more immersed. And and the reason I think this really does belong in visuals, even though it's it's a very mechanical thing, is nothing visually changes which it shouldn't like the this is a a visual choice that shows no visual changes which is the right choice 
Exactly. No, I mean, and that's and that's the thing is that you know, uh, what, what is it? It's 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 sometimes it is the it is the the empty hole in a wheel that makes it useful. It is the emptiness of a pot or the emptiness of a room that makes it valuable, right? It's like sometimes it is the lack of a thing that makes the thing. And in this case, the lack of a visual change or a visual cue is it's just kind of like nice to be like, oh yeah, you know, I switched, you know, like like now Shovel Knight's a woman. Now now he's a man. Now it 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 doesn't because it it doesn't matter, right? Because like both the 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 character shouldn't look different and the narrative shouldn't change. So like, it's like, yeah. It, so I, I thought that that was a very, very, very good choice. And I was, I was, like I said, like, I was like, like there is a visual change, right? I'm like, please say no, please say no, please say no. <laughs> because, because I was like really afraid that I had missed something and that you were going to be like, Oh yeah. And I was going to like, like sadly, like just kind of be dejected and be like, Oh, I, I thought they did an awesome yeah. thing. But yes, no, I was very, very happy that, that, that was, that was the call that they yeah. made. And, and I'll tell um, you, I'll say this, this last thing about this. And then I, I don't think I have anything else to say about the, the gender choice option, which is uh, mm-hmm. once I, I was confirmed like after the minute and I was like, Oh, okay. I, I see what they're going for here. Um, I decided the story I wanted to finish because I, I did this fairly early on in my play. So I was like, I decided the story that I wanted to finish was where they're all women. I was I just like all the now. Yeah, me too, actually. Because well, <laughs> the, the main villain is the Enchantress, right? So the, the main villain is the only character that's like central to the story that their name like genders them because if it was a guy, it would be the enchanter. And if they wanted to go with something right. gender neutral, I don't, the en- enchanted, like en- enchanter, <laughs> unfortunately has been, you know, genderfied. The en- enchantrister. Yeah. Right. So, so like that, that word, <laughs> unfortunately there's an assumption in, in either case, certainly in the case of the enchantress, right. That is the, the agreed upon feminine version of that. And because the main villain is a woman and you're obviously trying to save this person, your, you know, shield knight from the enchantress. I was like, I'm just going to make them all women. It's going to be, it's going to be women knights fighting the women enchantress. And it's just going to be a story like that. And I just like, I got to decide that was the story I wanted to take part in. And that was like, that was a cool experience because the default there, there are gender defaults, right? And it is shovel knights, a man shovel knight or uh, shield knight is a woman. So I was like, nope, that's not the story I decided I wanted to hear. So that, you know, that was a cool choice. Even though the defaults are kind of set up for what you would think of me playing as a stereotype, right? Guy saves girl. Right, yeah. And and I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I don't really, like, kind of blame them for, for that because, you know, I think that that's typical, typically, like, what everybody, you know, throws on there. So if all of a sudden, like, you queued it up and it said, like, she did thing A or something like that, and you'd be like, wait, I thought Shovel Knight was a, a guy and i mean maybe it would be good to confuse the audience like that I, i'm not sure but i i certainly won't fault them for for making the ge- the default choice the generic one because they do give you the option to you know immediately change that and it's it's pretty easy to to find that screen well I, I think the, so the default like they, they choice is it. also the nostalgia choice right and i'm not saying that's a good thing mm-hmm. but i'm saying games from this era where boy saves girl right knight saves princess right. so the fact that they went with those as the defaults is obviously something they were aware of, but it's obviously something that is also representative of the era they're trying to emulate. So 
we sure. we can we can climb down off of our soapboxes. But I was with, I'm with you to tie this all back to visuals. I'm with you that I'm very very glad there is literally zero pixels changed when you move from one gender <laughs> to the other because that is how it ought to be. Yeah, um, and that's I mean like there's tons of stuff to say about visuals, but I mean that's all the the heavy hitting stuff that I had. So do you have anything else for visuals? No, we may segue into the audios. So audio, um, loved it, loved everything about it. Like I felt that the, um, the music was, was very enjoyable, you know? Um, and I can like, it, it is catchy, you know, like, and, and I, I don't know, it, it definitely had like a very Mega Man Castlevania feel it, to it. You it know, does, it was very, it does feel more Mega Man than Castlevania. It's like, if you're going to order them, I would say it's the most like Mega Man then Castlevania and the least like Super Mario. It's they're not going for yes. peppy ragtime, right? No, they're not. Yeah, no, it's it is very uh yeah, yeah, I would definitely say it's very, very Mega Man. And then uh Yeah, I, I don't know why, like so, so like the Poison Knight, like that one kind of had more of like a Castlevania feel, which it is reasonable. It should Yeah, because he he even wears the the plague mask, you know, the big bird looking mask. So that that one oh, that yeah, one felt you, more Castlevania. I I agree with that. Do you know why those masks masks existed? By the way, it was like why they looked wasn't like it that? to let air circulate in the beak. Yes, but they actually put um like uh, um like not potpourri, but you know like like flowers and stuff in there. Yeah, because they were surrounded it, by rotting corpses all the time. Right. Well, the idea was that it actually did filter out, you know the the unhappiness which it totally did no but but, but they know. were kind of thinking correctly like there's something were, in the air that's there. bad and this will keep it from getting to me yeah exactly but uh but i i thought that i was just kind of like you know when you see like a plague doctor you know you're just kind of like especially with the way we look at them now culturally you're just kind of like oh man it's all dark and dismal and like you know un- unanesthetized surgeries <laughs> and all sorts of like they had flowers in their beak yeah or maybe maybe some of them were fanciful and they would have like a like a baguette or like like a, a chocolate croissant like just you know what, whatever like maybe maybe they're tired of flowers like they want fresh baked cookies yeah. in there or, or maybe maybe one some of them were like romantics and you know like like their their loved one would give them like a special flower before they went off to work for the day and they'd shove that in their mask yeah there you, you know? go i i only carry daisies because that is what my partner has me that that's my partner's favorite flower so i just only put daisies in here exactly yeah so well, let's go with that so anyway so the plague knight who had their partner's daisies shoved into their mask um uh yeah so so with that one and and the the kind of aesthetic of that level is very horror you know like it's 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 like a halloween level oh totally you know? yeah the, the colors but, and all yeah but uh but oh, oh yeah so anyways but i definitely did feel that the music was very very on brand you know i don't really know enough about music and music theory to comment more than that but it definitely had the right feel to well, it let, let me share this experience with you then to to flesh this out a bit uh because i you know you usually are playing video games in a very different environment than i am um which i think is mm-hmm. for sound effects and you know audio in particular is interesting because visually we're probably seeing roughly the same thing but auditorially um we're often getting really different experiences because i'm often playing video games on the go and i played this on the switch and i think you played this on ps4 yeah so you know i i love my switch it's super portable it's fantastic 
but that often means you are in an environment that isn't exactly uh, acoustically treated, you know? <laughs> so sure. I was uh, playing uh, while traveling and I played through a bunch of levels because I had a bunch of time and I was like, oh no, I've been playing with the sound turned way down. Like I've barely heard anything. You know, this is a modern game. I'll bet I can find the soundtrack online. Let me Let me dial that up. So I called up the soundtrack, and of course, uh, like any modern retro game, all the music's written by like one person, and they mm -hmm. released all of the original soundtrack, plus uh, all of the DLC has completely original and remixed music, because they really did not phone anything in the DLC in, so... Uh, there's two entire other additional soundtracks and I was listening to it and I literally like put my hand on my forehead and was like, what have I been doing with my life? Why did I play <laughs> through these stages with the sound off or low? This music is amazing. <laughs> and so yes. I actually went back and replayed several of the levels I had already beaten just so I could get the visuals and the music paired up together. <laughs> Yes, no, the it, and 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 as you said, like it, the music is very, very enjoyable. It's very on brand, and it it, it doesn't at any point, um, like the the state the, the music that I have is running through. So unfortunately, and I don't know why the human brain works like this. Once you have a song in your head, it is like impossible to hear anything else. So the only music I have in my head right now is just the uh, stage select music. Mm. Uh, you know. <laughs> It, it, it could it could have been worse i could have just had like you know i am not jessica chastain from snl <laughs> stuck in my head you know um which would have, that wouldn't have made any sense but uh but yeah so um also so so yeah so it's it's very catchy and it is very on brand so not only is it very enjoyable to listen to but most importantly is it doesn't pull you from the 8-bit experience it feels like 8-bit music but good 8-bit music it's not overly tinny it doesn't have like any kind of like grading uh you know issues with it it's not overly the, the cycle on the soundtrack is not too short you know so it's not like you have like five notes that are just running through your head over and over and over again making you want to hang yourself so just just overall, again, very thoughtful choices made from people who are actually trying to make a retro game done right. Well, and this this is the the audio equivalent or so, some of the things that would make the attention to detail in audio equivalent to their attention to detail in visuals would be that thing that I constantly complain about because now that I've noticed it, I can never unnotice it, which is a lot of classic games have fantastic soundtracks and sometimes you even get to hear them when there's nothing else going on because the game could yep. only produce so many noises at the same time. And if they were in the same frequency, then those would also override parts of the soundtrack, right? So this game being on modern hardware obviously doesn't suffer from any of those problems, which is a dead giveaway that it's on newer hardware, but also is tremendously appreciated. If you were going to sit down and take the time to write good music, I would like to listen to it. That seems like a reasonable request. And also when I'm playing right. your game, I would not like the sounds of the game to completely crap all over the soundtrack and make huge parts of the, the notes drop out. Right. So that that's one of those things that I, it frustrates me on older hardware, but I get it. And on the flip side, I tremendously appreciate that modern games are not bound by that. That being said, uh, there is a lot of uh, things in the environment that make like a glass shattering sound or like a high-pitched mm -hmm. squeaky kind of sound. And 
I would not be at all surprised if I found out that the sound designer or design team for this game sat down and looked at exactly how that that sound wave was made on like a Nintendo or a Super Nintendo and then just shaved off the highest frequencies that made you want to <laughs> rip your eardrums out because there's lots of squeaky noises. There's there's machines because there's a whole machine level. There's lots of glass breaking because like chandeliers fall and there's lots of glass objects. There's gems everywhere because that's the money and that makes like a a like if you can imagine like two polished rocks like scraping against each other like a lot of them make that kind of noise and yet none of them are grating none of them are are off-putting none of them are annoying it's really pretty incredible to have so many things in the environment that generate this very or this series of very high-pitched noises and yet none of those sound effects are like oh god i don't want to make the chandelier fall because it sounds horrible or oh god i don't want to do this boss fight again because at the beginning of the boss fight he jumps through a glass window and that noise is horrible or oh i'm going to turn the sound down or i'm going to take my headphones out right like you as a player should never feel that way about the audio. Right. And and most people, because they're not super tuned into the audio or they're not taking notes for a podcast, they end up suffering those things and not even necessarily realizing it, right? They have to fight that boss for the third time. So you know what? They just turn the sound down because it's annoying and, and they don't even yep. realize why they just did that. And, and none of that yeah. happens anywhere that I could think of in the game. None of those squeaky sound effects came across as like, like teeth grinding. Right. And I think that ultimately, too, what will eventually happen is if you have enough sound effects like that, you'll just kind of subconsciously not really want to play the game, you know, because like, you know, if you if it's just kind of like, all right, yeah, man, I really I really love playing this game. Either A, you will just learn to play it with the sound off because you're like, eh, the, the, the sound annoys me or B, you know, you'll just like think to it and, and you'll be like, I feel vaguely uncomfortable when I play this game and I don't know why, you know, and and I think that that's something that they manage to subvert when they do when they do things like this, you know, where, yeah, I mean, like, basically, all the sounds are very also kind of meaty and satisfying. Like, I love like I loved, dude, I loved digging through dirt piles. Like, right. I love digging through dirt more in this game than I mean, than <laughs> than digging the grave of somebody who left me a million dollars in their will, you know, like. <laughs> that was the fact that there was a pause before that analogy makes it feel less like an analogy and now you just told me a bit about your life <laughs> <laughs> like like this is a, th a feeling i've really explored yeah exactly like you that, know? that that wasn't a joke that was a reference <laughs> <laughs> uh rest in peace anyways but uh no <laughs> no um yeah but i mean the thing is because it goes like and it's just like yeah and then like the fact that it like digs and you get like a, a little gem little gems and then like on the third or fourth one you just get that like huge explosion of gems you're like man that was that was satisfying that felt good it felt good yeah and, you and know, when like, you unlock the shovel that does the big dirt piles in one scoop you just get the big end scoop noise where it's like just all the gems come flying out all at once and make their you know little tinkly noises when they hit the ground like it's yeah there's a lot of little audio cues that are I, I can't think of any that are really threatening like I know what it sounds like when you get hit and when you get hurt and when you die but like the death noise isn't 
punishing. It's just distinct, right? When you, and it's, oh, you know what it is? I know exactly what it is. Now that I made that noise with my face like an idiot, I know, I know exactly what that's supposed to be imitating. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Mega Man death. It's, it's, it's exactly, Mega yes, Man it's death. exactly like the Mega yeah. Man death. You're totally, yes, right? It, can you hear it? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like, like literally, <laughs> when you did it, I just I didn't picture Shovel Knight falling down a pit. I pictured Mega Man exploding. <laughs> like that was what I pictured when you made that noise. And I was like, oh yeah, that that's that's the same noise. Um, I, I won't I won't slap bet you on whether or not it's the exact same noise because I think I'm already one in the hole for you, that. You are, but, um, which I still have in my notes that I owe you. Um, excellent. No, I'm I'm so positive every- it's not the exact same noise because I played enough Mega Man that that is burned into my my neurons. But it is. It is. It's a. Uh, it's it's aesthetic twin, right? It they are sounds separated at birth because this is so obviously an homage to that noise that now that I think about it, I am positive I could slap at someone that the designers did it on purpose, right? Like I could mm-hmm. go to the sound designers and say like, "Hey, is this supposed to sound like when Mega Man explodes?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, <laughs> like yes, yeah, obviously." Why? Yeah, and I don't know if you have anything else for uh, for for audio, but I actually have homages to older video games. It'd be a great segue into mechanics and other stuff. Yeah, no, that that's that's good. Um, let's uh, let's do your segue that I have now tripped all over, and I'm going to keep tripping all over because nothing you, makes a segue go smoother than intentional pratfalls just all over it. Lions keeps on tripping, <laughs> tripping, tripping <laughs> to the future. You made it work anyway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, so, so homages, right? So obviously there's that, um, you know, homage. The, the, the one that just, just came screaming at me was the, uh, the level select, man. Yeah. Because it's, it's the map from Super Mario Brothers three, right? Right. Straight up the map from Super Mario Brothers three complete with random bad guys that appear and wander the map trying to get and you. when you leave a level they move in the same way where they they like shuffle only at that time yes they shuffle only at that time and sometimes sometimes they because it's obviously like a random shuffle but sometimes they'll shuffle meaninglessly you know like they'll shuffle like back and forth and then land on the exact same spot so like they didn't have to shuffle Which at is all, exactly you know? like super mario brothers yeah it's it's spot on even the way it looks is spot on yeah, no, it's just like when I saw that, I was like, and and again, this isn't, in my opinion, nostalgia done right because it's like, hey, you like Super Mario Brothers three? I, I do like Super Mario Brothers three. You 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 want to you want to play something that that feels a lot like that, but is is different and new enough that you don't feel like you're playing the same game for the nth time? I y- y- go on, you know, like so yeah, so I mean, like it's just it is just straight up that I mean, even with like little areas that are locked off until you beat you know certain levels mm-hmm. stages you know like, yeah just just it's it's mario super mario brothers 3 all the yeah. way down yeah you can tell that uh they set themselves the herculean task of let's make a game that reminds people of mega man and reminds them of castlevania and reminds them of super mario brothers but doesn't make them crap all over our game and just go play those games instead like can right. you, as as a person who makes things, right? Like the mm-hmm. idea of saying, I'm going to make some art that is an homage to some of the most beloved art in this field of all time. And right. I'm going to ask people but, to take me seriously. Like what a terrifying prospect. 
Well, and that's why I get frustrated when people who are just kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like they, they have all these like nostalgia video game, you know, knockoffs. Like it's just, just dumb. And it's like it is harder to make a good nostalgia game than it is to make your own thing because you literally because, again, not only do you immediately have something to compare it to, um, you actually it has to be better because it has to be better than your nostalgia goggles. And actually, this is tangential. But I saw something where they were talking about, um, you know, movie remakes where they gender swap the the cast, mm-hmm. right? And that this the same principle actually applies to that as well because you know people were, you know people said like oh yeah you know like, like Ghostbusters or something like that you know and, and love Ghostbusters hate Ghostbusters whatever right but people say like oh yeah well that's the problem is that you know it just doesn't work and it's just kind of like well that is part of the problem is that basically it's it's like trying to create a nostalgic video game mm-hmm. you know where it's like. You you are basically you are giving somebody a one to one comparison, except it's not actually a one to one comparison because they're comparing it through their nostalgia goggles, you know. And then you're like gender swapping out the cast, and you're saying like, "Well, that was the only change." It's like, no, there were tons of changes, including the fact that we are not in the same point in history anymore. So you know, like, I so I know that that's kind of a tangential point, but some, I was reading something about that recently, and I kind of wanted to get back on my soapbox here first. No, I I think but, it is um, the same kind of idea, and and anytime it's uh, if if it's if it's a gender thing or a race thing, those those creators are unfortunately opening themselves up to all the vitriol of society, which is horrible. But if it's even if it's just like a oh we made a game that's like uh, Mega Man or we were a band and we made an album that's like the Beatles, like you are just inviting the foaming at the mouth fans, even if it's got nothing to do with, you know, human beings, right? It's, it's not a gender thing. It's not a religious thing. It's not a race thing. It's not a political thing. Even if it's just my art looks and feels kind of like that art, you are just inviting these foaming at the mouth weirdos to come out of the woodwork and hate you just because you dared to make a thing like their thing. You're not saying your thing is better than their thing, but, but yeah, I mean, I can't imagine the design team sitting down to make shovel Knight and essentially being happy about it. Right. Like they they were just taking such a huge risk. Like they must've really truly believed in the quest they set themselves because this was not an easy task. And I honestly wouldn't think of it as a fun task because you would just have this specter of failure and internet trolls looming over you. Yes. And actually there's a, another thing that that reminds me of is uh, I think we we've, we've both watched this, but uh, the Garfunkel and Oates, uh, you are such a loser. song. <laughs> Yeah. And so, I mean, like that to me, though, is it the, the quote that I think of from that is like, you know, it's better to be a be a loser than a spectator, mm-hmm. you know, like, because I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, like you have so many people who are just waiting. It's just kind of like, and, and honestly, I think that there is a genre of, of, of people that think that it like you're clever if you can find a reason if you can find a flaw with something oh yeah you know? no that that's but, um, the that's one of the lowest most common levels of internet pedantry. Right, where it's just kind of like, oh well, you know, like Super Mario Three actually did it better. Like I, I just, I just really like vinyl because of the warm tones. I'm sorry for anybody who listens to the podcast that's ever said that, but I don't know. Maybe don't say stuff like that. But anyways, um, so yeah, so 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 again, nostalgia done right, right? So I mean, like, like I looked at that; it was clearly the Super Mario Three, you know, level, but I, I enjoyed it. You know, um, Here, here's an example of another like learned from history thing. Uh, so 
when you go into a boss room the first time, which is very Mega Man, right? It's very, you enter a room, it's usually a box-ish like room, and there's a boss that has special powers in that room that you don't have, right? It's, it's, there's a save point right beforehand. Yeah, it's it's almost exi- the the save point right before the boss is often even in a little narrow hallway, which is clearly a visual throwback to Mega Man Classic and Mega Man X. Uh, but there is a uh, an important thing that happens if you die because you die a lot. The game is hardish, right? I'd, I'd say it's it's they're yeah. also going for a classic era uh, level of difficulty, but modernized. And one of the the things that I was really afraid of is the first time I entered a boss room and the boss like gives me this giant sprawling speech. I was like, oh no, if I die, I'm going to have to sit through that again. But no, in fact, you don't. If you die and you go back into the boss room, the boss just starts immediately fighting you, which is clearly a modern design thing, right? To recognize someone is going to have to go through this game loop more than once in most cases. Why don't we make that a little bit less insulting by not acting like they have to read all the text again. Which is, which is awesome. And I do want to talk about the save points, but I have one other. So like there's, you know, like I said, there, there's tons of references, you know, Mega Man, all that sort of stuff. But here, here, here's the one mechanical thing that I, I was really happy for picking up on. Um, did you, did you find the DuckTales reference? What? Yeah. <laughs> so did you, did you play the uh, DuckTales? Like where you played as Scrooge McDuck? Yeah. Oh my God. Is it the shovel and the cane? Yep. Oh my Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The, 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 the downward shovel, shovel slam and Scrooge McDuck's cane work almost one-to-one. Oh my God. You're absolutely correct. Like I was in my <laughs> mind, I was attributing that as a, a thing not cribbed from earlier games, but no, you, you are absolutely right. That is I think that was like his primary method of defeating enemies. Yes. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I don't even remember if he had like a straight up, like forward attack. I think you had to down slam everyone. If, if memory serves, it's been a while, yeah. but Oh my God. Also, we should probably play DuckTales at some point, but Oh my God. Yeah, we should play DuckTales <laughs> at some point. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, I was just, when I saw that, I was like, oh, this is DuckTales. And I, I was like, I was like, I have to mention this. Like I, I am, I am disproportionately proud of myself <laughs> for picking up on this. No, I'm, I'm seeing it in my mind now. And part of my brain is just like, you idiot. How did you not figure that out? <laughs> it's like, like glass shattering, you know, you're just kind of like, like, oh man. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I do have a couple design things that are related to controls that I think I, they're loosely related to this idea of, you know, the drawing on the old experience. So uh, you probably noticed that uh, the lowest button, right? So X on a PlayStation, B on Nintendo, A on an Xbox, because God forbid we standardize that, right? But the whatever whatever's <laughs> at the bottom, <laughs> whatever's at the bottom is how you jump. And then it's counterpart to the left and right. So like, you know, nine and three o'clock, that is where you attack from, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is not a thing that has ever had any kind of standardization. And I know some games actually allowed you to switch like where the jump was and where the attack was. And I remember the feeling of sitting down at a friend's house, especially games like Super Metroid, where all of the buttons do something and it really matters that you know where they all are because you need them to like move through space. Um, You would sit down at somebody's controller and you would be like, why are missiles 
R. Why is jump L? <laughs> like what what is this control scheme? What is wrong with you? <laughs> and right. so like because the controls in this game are relatively simplistic cuz they're they're more Im- imitating Nintendo controls than Super Nintendo controls. Um even though you can use the shoulder buttons and all like that, but the the controls are I think closer to the simplicity of like a Mega Man, right? And uh, the attack button is nine o'clock and three o'clock. So whichever side feels more natural for you to go to when you are moving through space and using the bottom button to jump and it's a platformer. So the jump button is super important and needs to be the most accessible button. The fact that the attack button is on both sides and both those buttons do the same thing all the time. Always. That is not a mistake. That is, that is so intentional that the fact that magic is up attack, but it's only the one that's to the left is almost surprising to me. Like I mm-hmm. really genuinely am surprised they did not make up attack do magic on both sides because they so obviously thought about making the attack button be on both sides for player convenience. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And that is an interesting choice. I, I could maybe try to justify it, but I'm not really sure why they made it. Um, one of the nice litmus tests that I have for ease of control schema is literally because most of the time like like teddy is watching and playing with Mm -hmm. me is how quickly he can pick it up you know yeah i mean that that is literally is it so simple a child could do it yeah it's it's so simple a three-year-old could do it right and not only that but not only is it simple enough for him to pick it up but is it simple enough is is the control layout concise enough that he can actually do it because he can't hold a controller like you and I can, right? He doesn't, his hands aren't right. big enough, you know? So like he actually tends to kind of hold it like you would put hands on a keyboard. Yes, you know? my, my daughter uh, does the same. Yeah. So, but I mean, that being said, is that like, you know, sometimes like the distance between like X and square, like he will actually hold it properly because he can kind of get that distance, mm-hmm. you know? So I can like look over and like, if Teddy's holding the controller the way you would hold a controller, then they've got the buttons mapped out in such a way that the buttons you use the most aren't ones that are very disparate in distance, you know, which is actually a good a good call. Now, not all games can do that because some games, rightfully so, have a degree of functionality that necessitates use of all of the buttons regularly, and that's fine. But if you are going for a nostalgic field, then theoretically you shouldn't have too much of that insane functionality because, again, the, the input device wasn't hefty enough for that, you know? So, uh, so I felt that that was kind of a good... A good, that's it, my good like little litmus test. Is I'll look over and be like, "How is Teddy holding the controller naturally?" Yeah, no, that, I like that because I've definitely noticed uh, my daughter doing the same thing where she puts it down like in her lap mm-hmm. and and presses down like she's typing on a keyboard. And I'm mm-hmm. I've tried to explain to her like, "No, you you really no like," but it's hard. She doesn't understand what the objective is, and it's like, "Let me explain to you twitch reactions." <laughs> right so like she she'll get there she you know i unfortunately like with my schedule i don't get to game with her as much as i'd like but now that her school schedule's stabilizing because she's a little older that's gonna have to become more a part of her life but um i i'm gonna watch for that like how how does she hold it not knowing what we know right um so one of the other things that i really liked about the game was the save mechanic um so I really do, like, you know, wait, like, so there's mean like, I think saving like your progress or checkpoints. Checkpoint okay. mechanic. Yeah. I really like the checkpoint me- mechanic because basically, you know, like there, there's like five checkpoints in each level, something like that. Um, and so you walk by it and it's a little crystal ball with a flame inside of it. Uh, and if you can tell me what the different colors of the flames mean, 
Uh, Ooh, I can. I know because I I didn't mean to, but I I looked this up by accident. <laughs> whoa, whoa! Did you do research? No, I didn't. I swear to God. <laughs> Dude, come on, come clean with me, man. Right here, right no, now. No. Uh, like, it was, I needed to. <laughs> I was checking. Oh crap! I screwed something up, and I was checking in a uh, walkthrough to make sure. I was like, "Do I need to redo that entire thing to undo that thing I screwed up?" Um, and I didn't, which is awesome. Uh, but what I came across a forum thread where people were talking about the checkpoints, and. Someone mm-hmm. was like, oh, what's up with the checkpoints? And you can actually break the checkpoint and get the gem. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But if you do that, that checkpoint no longer works. And and Correct. so you can see the color of the gem that's inside. And and uh. that what that tells you is how difficult it will be. Like, it's a bigger risk reward. So if right. it's a more valuable gem, that means you will be screwed harder by breaking this checkpoint. If it is a less valuable gem, you are screwed less by breaking that checkpoint. That's that's even more depth to that mechanic than I right. thought. Because what I was originally going to say was I was just kind of like, I like the fact that you know, like you can increase the risk reward because you can be like, okay, well, I want the extra money, so I'm going to break this checkpoint and potentially put myself back even further. You know, and 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 so it gives the player control of the cycle time, which is amazing you know like i'm i'm and 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 it gives you a reason to because it was just kind of like do you want to turn checkpoints off it's like why why would i ever say yes i don't dislike myself i'm pretty happy with the person that i am so no i want checkpoints like i value my time but the fact that they're like no man dude dude you have all the checkpoints so you like checkpoints eh? have all of the checkpoints in the world you know (laughs) but uh but but you know if you break them you get money it's like ah crap what did you say you know, yeah, it's kind of like a, so I like, like, why would I do that? Make it worth your while. I'm listening. Yeah. Go, you had my interest. Now you have my attention. But, uh, so I, I really think that's interesting. And, and so the fact that they even telegraph like, Hey, cause not only could you use it from a, Hey, this is how valuable the gem is. So, you know, this is how screwed you'll be if you break this checkpoint, but also, and again, I didn't know this. So there is a degree of like, well, if you don't know it, but, um, but it's kind of like a it's it's not a mechanic that you need to be aware of. And it's one that when you find it, you're like, oh, that's awesome, which is like when you touch the checkpoint, it's like, oh, it turned, you know, it turned whatever gold, right? Like with a huge flame, right? So you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, no. It's just like, man, I remember I was playing Doom 2016 and like I was in hell, you know, like, like, you, do. like you do. And like. And and I was sitting there, I was like, I was like low on health, low on armor, low on ammo, you know. And I walked in, I was like, ooh, a whole bunch of ammo. That that would be helpful. Ooh, a whole bunch of health. Ooh, a whole bunch of oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was just kind of like, oh, it's it's about to get really real for me here, isn't it? And and sure enough, you know, but I was just kind of like, so it's kind of it's kind of like that, but telegraphed kind of all the time of like, hey, just so you know, this is this is the storm that you're about to get into. So enjoy that. Yeah, and the, the the other thing I want to say about the checkpoints is there is exactly the right number of them, and they are spaced exactly the right distance apart because mm-hmm. the game is not unbearably hard, but it it's not easy, right? They definitely no. wanted to make it difficult in the old school way, and like here's a couple examples of that uh, that I, I had in my notes is, t- and I think they tie into this well. Falling into a pit straight up kills you. Falling into a pit straight up kills you. Um, spikes straight up kill you. Uh, and then there's little subtle things that are definitely there because they are uh, homages to the games that these are copying. Uh, like when you hit enemies, it nudges you back a little bit. 
when an enemy hits you, mm-hmm. it knocks you back quite a bit, which means if there's an enemy near a ledge and that enemy hits you or you hit it and you're too close to the ledge, you fall in the pit and you die, right? Or you fall in the spikes and you yeah. die. Or you get knocked into another enemy and you maybe just take too much damage and you die. But the first off, the I never felt like the game was cheap. But there were times where there was uh, stomping of foot, gnashing of teeth, swearing of swears, and uh, those all felt earned. I was like, I deserve to be mad right now because a thing happened that I'm not happy about. But it's not because the game cheated me, and it's just like I now realize in hindsight that I I have mixed feelings about that mechanic. Like I have mixed feeling about the an enemy is positioned in exactly such a way so that when they hit you, you will fall into a pit and die. Because then that means the lesson they're trying to teach you is don't just always blaze forward because sometimes an enemy will hit you and the price will be your life. And and yes. I like I, I get it. I don't I don't full on hate it. I'm mostly trying to mask my frustration at how many times I died that way. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but, but like I noticed those mechanics are there. And then the thing that made me be at peace with them is the way the, the game extends an olive branch to you is to say, but Hey, checkpoints freaking everywhere, man. Like it's okay. Yeah. Sometimes we're going to old school, knock you into a pit with an enemy you already killed, but you went a little bit too far to the left and we respawn that enemy ninja Gaiden style. And now you're going to die and you need to just be okay with that because there's a checkpoint right over there, buddy. We got you. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, man, you know, you're, you're fine. You're fine. We're not going to mega man six plant man level you <laughs> and, you know, like, and make it so that way you're like, like five minutes away from the nearest from from the midpoint checkpoint before you're hitting that same thing where like things are knocking into the pit yeah exactly so so they definitely they definitely do and and so another great litmus test i have for for game difficulty is how long i can let teddy play the game by himself before he says i need dad to do it yeah that that, that test is a little more on the nose than the controller one (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but like it's it, it feels very much so like you know because I didn't have an older sibling, but like I am effectively Teddy's older sibling in this regard, you know. So like, like so, which is funny because that also then determines um, what games I can give to Teddy to be like, hey, I need to go like you know vacuum or you know do dishes. So like here, play this game versus this is a game I have to play with you because you're going to be pulling me away from it every like thirty seconds to like do a hard part for you. Um, but I do think that they are. Because here's the thing is that the game definitely has parts like that, but I never was even close to rage quitting. There were definitely times when like I was playing an area where I hit a difficulty spike and I was like, eh, I'm just done for the evening, you know, like, like I've, I'm just saturated, you know, but I was never like, nope, this game is stupid. And, and, and my litmus test is when I turn to anyone in the room that will listen and I start talking like this because here's the thing is i'm not wrong okay the game is the problem because what the issue is game design wise they shouldn't do it this way like if i if i'm like that then i am on the verge of rage of a rage oh, yeah. no it, you know? as soon as as soon as the phrase this is just sign comes out of my mouth <laughs> then i know i am really really close to bailing on that game or at least having angry things to say about it for the rest of time yeah yeah, so, and I never got to that point. There were definitely some times when I got frustrated, but I never got to that point, which I think is um, a, a testament to the modulation of difficulty spikes, you know? So they put the difficulty spikes, they they pace them out far enough so that way you don't 
A, you don't hit a huge one out of nowhere, you know, which is always deeply upsetting. You don't hit several in quick succession where you're like, okay, I got past the first one, but now I have to get past these three other like quick spikes in difficulty, like where it's like really, really hard, then really easy, then really, really hard, then really easy over like a 10 minute time span, you know? So, and like, and, and the thing is that, you know, like they put the checkpoints in such a way that you never, like if they do do what you may consider to be a quote unfair difficulty spike, usually there's a checkpoint pretty nearby it, you know? So it's like, most of the time we're going to telegraph really well. So that way you kind of know what's going on. And, you know, if you die, it's your fault. <laughs> on the times when we don't telegraph well, we're going to put a checkpoint really nearby. So that way, even though we kind of, you know what it is, it, it's, it's, the, it's the prank rule, man, is that the, the hilarity <laughs> yeah. has to, it's, oh man, that just brings it right back to the beginning, no, man. Do, do you have anything else on mechanics? Otherwise, no, I do. I wish we could just end it all right there. But that's better. <laughs> no, whatever. Just keep saying things. Um, yeah, fine. I mean, I guess we'll keep doing doing what we're here to do. <laughs> the uh, one of the other things I didn't clearly think about until now that we're talking about the checkpoints in in depth is uh, there's no live system, but you die a lot, and when you die, you lose money, and money isn't required to beat the game, but it helps because you could go through the whole game without buying any upgrades or doing any of that stuff, but like it helps. There's some stuff that's worth buying and that segues into another mechanic. We absolutely must talk about because it's beautiful. Oh, yes. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Um, but, but there's uh, when you die, you, you, a bunch of your money flies out into the air. And I think it's a percentage because yep. the more money you have, the more you lose when you die, but it, you know, more money, more money you lose when you die. And that's actually also true in real life <laughs> due to my ditch digging efforts <laughs> before man on the callbacks in this one. Keep terrible, going. terrible <laughs> rap song though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you die the money bags literally fly into the air with little wings and when it tells you how much money you lost and it says recover and you literally can go to where you died and lost that money and the money bags are flying there and you can get the money back and i think it's literally yep. gold for gold every single piece you lost when you died and Oh, Sometimes yeah. you die in a pit and the pit is too low for you to recover the money. And so that money's just lost. But like 99 times out of 100, you can get all or nearly all of the money back that you died because it always goes into three mm -hmm. little bags, right? So there's always three yep. separate items you have to recover, but they're all near each other. They're right where you died. So the fact that there's no live system and that gold is not absolutely required to beat the game and that they do basically hand you back the gold you lost, it takes death from being a game ruining penalty that sucks all the fun out of life and it just makes it another game mechanic sometimes you die yeah it costs you this much money if that money matters to you go get it back like it's, it's a really generous way to take the you know molar shattering frustration of classic games mm -hmm. and be like no sometimes we're still gonna kill you and sometimes you're still gonna feel like it was cheap but we gave you a checkpoint right there and hey hey buddy here's all the money you dropped go pick it up if you care yep. yes absolutely no I, I i agree i definitely think it takes a lot of the the punishment out of death um that being said uh two 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 notes on that that um again i think that it was absolutely the call but uh, one is I think it does teach another lesson, um, which is a uh, sunk cost fallacy, because um, <laughs> I definitely threw a lot of good money after bad <laughs> trying to get 
trying to recover some of my money, you know, like, cause it'd be like, oh man, I lost like a grand. All right. I'm going to go recover it. Oh crap. I died again. Okay. Well that, that grand's lost, but I can recover this 500. Oh no, I lost that. Well, okay. That might, and, and like, like, I, I don't want to say I became a penniless pauper, but I definitely <laughs> at one point had to be like, okay, I had to like call a meeting of the board of directors and be like, all right, we have, we, we are over caught over, over timeline and over budget on this particular <laughs> project. We, we, we have to cut our losses on the, uh, on the gold extraction mining that we're doing here. <laughs> and we just have to move on. Like, I'm sorry, team, you know, it seems like a good investment, but you know, we just have to dump this one. Um, that being said, uh, the one other thing that, uh, is interesting is that there's actually a, so a negative feedback loop is one where like if input a input a produces input b which suppresses input a and a positive feedback loop is input a causes input b which enhances input a right gotcha yes so so I, the idea being is that like a so for example hemoglobin in the bloodstream like clotting is a positive feedback loop you know so like when blood starts to clot it says hey give me more clotting agents right um, stuff like that. So this is a positive feedback loop that I'm about to describe, even though it is a bad thing. So, which is, um, uh, the fact that if you die a lot, right, especially if you die a lot and are unable to recover your money, then because you can buy enhancements that make the game easier to play with that money, it actually means that if you are worse at playing the game, the game actually gets harder. Yeah. Which is an unfortunate counterpoint to, the mechanic I was super excited about, which is because you're absolutely right. And and that was an intentional design choice. And I think it's, if I had to guess, I would say they did that just because money is so abundant that it's just yeah. abundant enough that that positive feedback loop is unlikely to make the game unwinnable. Like it, it could, you could be in a Goldilocks zone of, of games literacy where you're like, well, I'm playing the game well enough to acquire money, but not well enough to keep it and spend it. So, so you, you could be well, in that and, zone. And here's another question. Well, sorry. And, and not to interrupt, but here's, here's another question that I don't know the answer to because I didn't actually check. Can you go back and replay stages? You can, but what I don't know, and I, I wish I had checked this now that we're talking about it is if you exit a stage before you beat it, it tells you, hey, you're going to lose all your money and stuff that you acquired and your progress. But I don't know if that's true if you've beaten the night that's in that stage. So what they may allow you to do, and I would not be surprised if this is true because the game is so thoughtful, is they may allow you to re-enter a stage you've beaten, acquire wealth, but not require you to finish the stage. And and just like X right. out and be like, oh, I needed a thousand gold, I got it, and then just exit out of the stage and, and not lose your money. Or, or even... Or even like, you know, go back to a stage where you, you are good at it, you know? Because, I mean, I remember back in Mega Man, you know, like you, you would find the stage that had the easy-to-get E-Tank, you know? And then, like, you would just run through that stage 10 times to get, like, 10 E-Tanks, you know? Um, so it may be, like, kind of like where, yeah, you know, like you can't, you know, like you can go back and, like, grind, yeah. basically. You know, to make the game playable, you can grind, well, and, which, and I mean, grinding you, is not a You good make thing, a perfect reference but, to Mega Man because... Now that I think about it, the mechanic I just described is exactly how Mega Man does it. So if you have beaten a boss in a Mega Man stage, you can go any amount through that stage and exit without loss at any time. So if you wanted to get an E-Tank and then peace out, you could grab the E-Tank and then immediately exit the stage. You don't have to walk to the boss room. And I I am 
I would be willing to put money down that Shovel Knight lets you do the same because of course they do. Mega Man. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Mega Man did it. Yeah. Mega Man did it. It's like a Well, no, this is like a the good example of like, you know, the Simpsons did it. Like this is this is the the good version of that. It's like, oh, the Simpsons did it. It's like, well, the Simpsons know what they're doing, so Yeah. You know, that's okay. <laughs> so there there's this other mechanic that's related to this that I I really enjoyed and it's just it's a simple design choice that I just got so much joy out of like the fact that it exists because it shows so much thoughtfulness on the part of the the designers especially as someone who i mean we're their target audience right we actually played the games as kids that this game is based on right so like we are this game is not aimed at 14 year olds this game is aimed at people in their 30s and 40s who played these these classic games as kids so uh when you go through a stage the level design is like 90% linear, but then there's like little branches that have little secret items. And some of those branches reconnect you to the main stage, but it's not a true alternate path. I didn't find any paths where it's like, Oh, this is a totally different way to get through the level, right? It's, it's a linear level, but with lots of secrets and some of those secrets Mm -hmm. have just extra money. Some of them have collectibles, but that's also where you find things like, um, meal tickets that give you more health and uh the the thing that gives you more magic and um no that those are in the expansion sorry uh all of the the special items are in the little secret things um the one one of the expansions that's also where you find uh more health and more magic um but the point is in in shovel knight and in the expansion um the dlc i guess the prequel whatever um Mm -hmm. If you miss those things, like if you don't even know they were there, if you just breeze right past and you don't notice the little part in the wall that you can hit to make the wall explode, which by the way, they almost always telegraph that, which is very, very welcome because once you know it's there, it's a lot easier to spot. But if if you just yep. breeze right past that or if you can't, there's usually a little puzzle mechanic you got to beat, like a little platforming challenge to get to the special item. When you go back to town, there is a a shopkeeper whose entire function is to sell you the things you missed in the level. So there, there are no secret items that cannot be acquired either through skill or through cash. And that is just so, so lovely because the game and they tell you what they're doing. The, The shopkeeper says, Oh, you missed such and such in such and such a level. Do you want to pay me money to get it? And if the answer is no, I can't or no, screw you. I'm going to go find it myself. Then you can just go replay that level and do the little, you know, platforming challenge and get the item yourself. So they, they give you but you have to beat the level the first time for it to show up in the store. So they, they give you just this beautiful way of saying like, Hey, you know, if you really, if you couldn't beat that challenge or you can't, you've played the level 20 times, you can't figure out where it is. Just, just give me 4,000 gold and it's yours. And then boom, then you're off to the races. Right. So like, I think you're, you're very right about the, the positive feedback loop that could potentially make you bankrupt if you're not careful. Um, but because (laughs) money is so abundant and because I'm, I've convinced myself that they have this mega man mechanic of being able to just farm gold. If you want to, um, the fact that they then take, difficulty out of the game and say, Hey, this special item is hard to find. And then once you find it, it's hard to acquire. And they allow you to just farm gold and buy that item makes the game a lot more accessible. It makes people with a a broader range of games literacy able to power up their avatar without already being good at games. 
Right. And, and that is, that is very welcome. And not only that, but it, it, it decreases one of the other like litmus tests that you actually gave me, which is, um, if at any point I have paused the game and I am going online to figure something out, the game has failed, <laughs> you know, yeah. like you shouldn't, you shouldn't require the ultimate power of the internet. I mean, like, like going to the internet to figure out how to do it is, is this generation's our gen- you know, like it, it is, I don't want to, it's, it's definitely Nintendo power equivalent, but I feel, it's, I feel like it's more powerful than that. It's almost like bordering on game genie. You know, like, oh yeah. Unless but, um, the thing you look up is still then beyond your ability, there's no knowledge about a game that cannot be found, right? Because you can talk to people who have torn the game apart way more than any two people on a podcast for a couple of years should. You can talk sometimes right. directly to the people who made the game or people who are in the games industry and have made similar games. Like you can get access to knowledge that would have been. Un- frankly unbelievable when we were children right my uncle works at nintendo kind of knowledge yeah absolutely so so with all that being said um you know like what that does is it decreases the chance of you doing that because you know as opposed to being like oh man i just went to that level did i miss anything did i get everything i needed to get it's like well you'll know because you'll talk to that shopkeeper and he'll tell you if you miss something and tell you what it does and whether or not you really want it and if you really want it then you can go back and play it again or pay him or whatever but you know like and if you like go through it like four or five times, right? And you're like, I just, I can't find this. I have no idea where it is. You know, then you're still less likely to go online and say like, okay, well, tell me where it is. You're way more likely to, it's because it, it, in my mind, it's like, I am way less likely to go online and say like, tell me where this is than to just go pay the guy. Because it's like, I am now way more likely to, or exclusively likely because this is a podcast, I'm exclusively <laughs> likely to pay for digital media as opposed to going to Pirate Bay, you know, or something like yeah, that, it, right? It's, it's, I should never have to go outside the game to play the game. Right. The game and right. its related materials, right? Whether it's a, an instruction manual or I've actually played games where the box art has stuff in it you need to play the game, which is kind of meta. But like, I should never have to go outside of the game and it's, you know, accoutrement to play the game. And going to your friend or Nintendo Power or Game Genie or GameFacts.com, like those are all, I couldn't have done this without this external resource. And that's, that feels like a failure of game design. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have anything else? No, I I think we can now ask, uh, did, in in case anyone's confused, uh, did Shovel Knight learn from history? Uh, yes, almost perfectly. Like, like it literally was, um, like a, a distillate of, you know, like the good things that they did and like realistically brought like nearly none of the impurities, you know? Um, so, you know, like, I, I think that just like in a distillation with that level of purity, I'm sure it took many, many rounds to get the game quite this honed. But, uh, but yes, I, I could not. I I could not be happier with with the outcome in this particular case. Yeah, and it's I I became aware through a a YouTuber that I like uh the concept of how ballsy it is the this thing I was talking about earlier like how how much guts you as a game designer or game design team have to have to say I would like to be on the same list of comparable games as Mega Man X Super Mario Brothers 3, right? Castlevania, like that's just really asking people to hate your art, right? The thing you made and and to have right. them not only have all sat down and decided to take on that challenge, but 
in my mind, basically indisputably achieved the goal on every front. It looks gorgeous. It sounds amazing. It plays fantastic. The things that were terrible about old games, they addressed in a way that still makes the game feel classic, but is more fun to play and doesn't have a lot of those like brutal punishments that, you know, Nintendo era games had. Like it, it's just, it's frankly a freaking Marvel. And I'm like frustrated a little bit that I waited so long to play it. Cause I've had this game sitting in my house for over two years. <laughs> like I could have played this ages ago. And right. I mean, I'm glad we got to make the episode out of it, but part of me is just like, what amazing insights might I have had about this game if I had baked it into my psyche two years ago? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, I mean, I, and I think that you're right. I think that it's it's kind of like the the equivalent of like the Babe Ruth calling a shot, you know, where it's just kind of like, yeah, man, if you do it, it's amazing. And if you don't, then it's not. But I, and, and I think that, that they absolutely did. I think that basically they knew that like deep in the earth there was a gym and they just shoveled through the night until they got it. The curtain falls. The music plays, the credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself, the fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land, battling evil, fighting the darkness, just sword in hand. Your memories creeping with the end of a smile. You realize again what you lost for a while. Shoveled through that you mother <laughs> right i'm pretty proud of that <laughs> <laughs>